Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy, please, the book of Deuteronomy. And I want you to find your way to chapter 8. Before we get into our passage this afternoon, let me give you a few announcements here. There's still some open days um, to uh, bring meals to the Ryan family. Be a blessing to them. That's still on the bulletin board in the hallway. And so if you can help out with that, that'd be a great thing to be able to help the Ryans out. So please see the list on the bulletin board. Also, uh, Pastor Humphrey needs to meet with Tara, Leah, Jordan, and Brother Girth uh, in his office after the second service regarding camp. So those of you who are helping with camp and teaching, would you please see him uh, after the second service. Also, many of you probably know this, some of you probably don't, uh, and it, I haven't made an issue out of it by uh, request, uh, at the, the person's request until now, um, but it needs to be told to you as a church family that uh, Brother Frank uh, is going to be moving out of the state, and he's going to be uh, moving down to the lower 48, and in two weeks, he'll be leaving. Um, and so he's got two more, two more Sundays with us, and then he'll be gone for good, moving closer to his daughter and things like that. And, and um, the last service that, that Frank is here, I want to do something special for him and just uh, give him our thanks and appreciation and love for his faithfulness to this church over the many, many years. And it's always sad when, when we see somebody go who's part of our family, but the Lord is leading this way, and, and I don't have any reason to doubt that. And so uh, he'll be making a new life in the lower 48, and, and we need to see him off that way. But make sure that you greet him and talk to him. He'll be here for two more weeks, two more Sundays, and then he'll be gone. So um, we'll be praying for you, Brother Frank. All right. Okay, I think that's it. Um, I should get myself to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to read the entire chapter of Deuteronomy chapter 8 here. And what we're going to find in this chapter is really an exhortation to obedience to the Lord and how God desired and wanted to bless the nation of Israel. But many of God's blessings were really contingent on and dependent on whether or not they were obedient to what he said. And God wanted to bless them. God had rich blessings for them. But there was also a condition to them. And if you obey and you do what I'm telling you to do, uh, your life will be blessed. Your life will be abundant. And that is how God deals with us as his children too. And that's what we're gonna, you're going to notice as we read through chapter 8. And so you follow along. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. 
Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandment of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good uh, land, a land of brooks and water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and are full and hast built up goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart is lifted up and thou forgettest the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee, to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and might and mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his, his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish, as the nation, nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. And the Bible, the Bible is full of, of typology, and typology is something that's you know, symbolic. This symbolizes or represents another thing, and the Bible is, is full of that. For example, gold uh, typifies deity. And you know that with the nation of Israel, they were to carry the Ark of the Covenant the Ark of the Covenant was wood that was overlaid with gold, and the Ark of the Covenant represented Jesus Christ. The wood represented the humanity of Jesus Christ. The gold represented the deity of Jesus Christ, and it was a picture that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Uh, brass in the Bible typifies judgment. You remember with the nation of Israel that when they murmured and grumbled, the, the, the serpents uh, came and, and bit the nation of Israel. People were dying, and there was a serpent made of brass that was, was lifted up. And if, if, if they would look at the serpent, they would live. But the, the brass typifies the judgment, the judgment of God. And there's all kinds of, of things like that in the Bible. The nation of Israel also typifies something. And the nation of Israel typifies the Christian life. Um, the, there's a little bit of confusion sometimes when it comes to the, the promised land. What does the promised land that the nation of Israel uh, was promised of God, what does that represent and so on? And many people think it represents heaven. 
That's not what it represents. Uh, and sometimes our hymnals, uh, like I'm bound for the promised land and on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. And Jordan represents, you know, death and passing from death into heaven. That's not what that represents. Uh, the promised land would represent the abundant Christian life that God intends for his people to live and to have. Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10, I, I, I give unto them eternal life or I give unto them life and that they may have it more abundantly. God wants us to live a blessed, abundant Christian life. But all too often, again, the blessings of God and the promises of God come only for those who are obedient to his commands and to his will. And God wanted to bless the nation of Israel, and he had promised them some things, but many of those blessings were contingent upon them being obedient to his commands. And he starts out in verse 1, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, and here, notice what he says, that ye may live, and that you might multiply, and that you might go in and possess the land which the Lord swear to your fathers. This chapter here that we read is really rich in suggestive thought for us, and great blessings from the Lord, they did come to the children of Israel when they followed the Lord with all of their heart. And there are blessings that really should characterize the life of every Christian. In verse 1, there were four things that are mentioned that were a direct result or would be a direct result of their obedience to the Lord. And really those same kinds of blessings should be characterized or could be given to each of the children of God. He says that you may live, that you would have life, that you could be fruitful to multiply, that you could make progress, that you could go in, that you could have possession, that you would possess this land. But it was all dependent on their obedience to God. And, and if we take a look at the nation of Israel with their ups and downs, and you know that they had a lot of ups and downs, I've pointed out to you before the cycle that the nation of Israel would always go in. Here they are, blessed of God. And then they get backslidden and they start to turn their back on God. And they forget God. And that leads to judgment. And God brings them into judgment because they had forgotten God. And then they cry out in their judgment and in their sorrow and repentance toward God. And they make their heart right with God. And then they're back experiencing the blessing of God again. And they just did that cycle over and over and over again. I think we do that too, actually, in our life. And nonetheless, God wants, to, God wants to give us great blessing. And if we look at the nation of Israel with their ups and their downs and the journey that they traveled to get to where God was trying to lead them, I think we see some great parallels in the Christian life and what our life ought to be in the kind of life that God wants us to have and to live. And so we're going to look at a life of blessing this afternoon and from this passage of Scripture and ask the Lord to help us make some applications in our life as well, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us here today and we just walk through the Scriptures. Lord, I pray that you'd impress upon our heart the kind of life that you want us to have as your people and 
the abundant Christian life that we can have if we are following after the Lord with all of our heart. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage and challenge and teach us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So what kind of life does God want us to have? First of all, number one, we ought to have a life that is under the guidance of God. A life lived under the guidance of God. In verse 2, notice the Bible says, And thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Here in verse 2, we find that God led the nation of Israel. And as a Christian, our life ought to be a life that is lived under the guidance of God. God led his people. How did he do that? Well, in the wilderness, he led with a pillar of cloud. Remember that? And a pillar of fire. The fiery uh, cloud was, was to them really what the word of God and the spirit of God ought to be for us. Uh, in the nation of Israel's case, it was power, it was light, it was direction. When the cloud moved, the people knew that it was time for them to move, and they followed wherever that led. And we can look at a couple of examples. Just keep your place here in Deuteronomy and look at Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. In verse 4, that's no, not the right verse. I don't like it when I do that. I'm going to look at one other passage here just to make sure. Hold on. Hold up. It's going to be okay. Don't panic. I used to do that when I was a young preacher, younger, and I would... Uh, write something down and it was the wrong reference, and then I'd like start to panic and lose my thought and lose my place and all that. I didn't know what to do. What's that? Uh, it might be. Uh, yeah. Maybe that is. I had verse 4 down, and it should be verse 14. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou... Lord, art seen face to face, that, that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud, and in a pillar of fire by night. In, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, in verse 33, who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, by, uh, in fire by night to show you uh, by what way ye should go, and in a cloud by day. And, and the passage is just an illustration to simply represent, again, like in verse 33, by night a, fire, a, a pillar of fire to show you in which way you should go. God led them. And the point I'm making here is what those were for the nation of Israel, God's word and God's Spirit ought to be for us, power and light and direction in our life. And ultimately, we would say, where was that cloud leading the nation of Israel? It was leading them to the thing that God had promised them, the blessing of God. That's where it was leading them. And in the same way, I would simply say this. Listen, uh, um, God has given to us 
uh, resources that are for our guidance in life. And where ultimately will God's word and God's spirit lead us if we follow it in life? To the place of blessing that God has in store for you and for me. Now, what would have happened with the nation of Israel if they decided to chart their own course? Would they find their way ultimately to the blessing that God had in store? Rather than following the Lord and the guidance that he had, would they have, would they have made their way? And the application is pretty simple. The Christian life should be a life under the guidance of God through his word and through his spirit. Is that a your life? Like there are all kinds of times in the course of a day even, in just the course of a day, when my thought process ought to be, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Lord, what is your will? Lord, I want you to guide me, to lead me in the way of righteousness or in in your will for my life. Even in the course of a day, that ought to be the heart and mind. But how often do saints of God begin to chart their own course and never even really give a thought as to the will of God in this situation or in this particular moment of my life? Look at Psalm 119 with me. Psalm 119. Verse verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you know that God is a, is, a, is a God of direction and timing? Meaning that God has a, a course, a direction for us to go in life if we'll follow it. But he also has a time frame in which those things are to happen. And the Bible is telling us that the word of God is a light, a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path meaning that the Word of God shows the path in which I should walk, but it's also a lamp for my feet. What does that mean? What is that talking about? Well, on the road of life, there's things that you can stumble on. And if you don't have light on your path, you can't see what the stumbling blocks are. And we can, we can ultimately be on the right path, generally speaking, in the way we should go, but we can stumble and fall all over every kind of thing that's there because we're not trusting in or letting the Word of God actually lead my steps. God is a God of direction and timing. I could be going in the right way, but I could be pushing ahead of the will of God and start to stumble and fall over the rocks in the path. But if I'm trusting the Word of God, if God's Word is my source of direction, it becomes a light to my path as well. Our lives ought always to be characterized by, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The Lord wants to lead us into a place of blessing, a place of fruitfulness in our life, into that abundant Christian life. We would all say that we want the same thing, but often we set our own course We don't really follow the leading of the Lord, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in situations in life like, how did I get here? How did I come to this point? 
Why am I going through this and experiencing this? And if we look back and we, we might and are honest, we might say, you know what? I actually wasn't following the leading of the Lord, and this is what it's gotten me in my life. We're never going to find real blessing and real joy in life if we are not intent on saying, Lord, what wilt thou have in me to do? We can try all we want. We can go after all kinds of things that we want to go after, and they'll never satisfy us. God said to the nation of Israel, I want you to live. I want you to have life. But you need to remember and you need to do what I've told you to do. Our life ought to be characterized as a life lived under the guidance of God. Secondly, go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. Because ultimately that's the only place that we're going to find real blessing is if our life is guided by the Lord. Verse 2, again he says, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Um, For the nation of Israel, God allowed certain things to humble them, to test them. And you know what? The same is true in our life. God wants us to have a life of humility before him. We would never of ourselves in our flesh choose that self-humbling path, the hard path, but really to be humbled before the Lord is actually just to be put into a position in which God himself can have more room in our life. Why do we need to be humbled? Because it's filled up with self less room for God, right? The process of proving or the process of testing, that's painful. That's hurtful sometimes. But it's always profitable when the Lord is the one who's leading. And it's to bring out what is really in our heart so that we can face it and we can deal with it And if we respond rightly, we're approved of God and we find the blessing of God. But God knows what's in our heart. And sometimes there are some real trials and some hard things that we walk through because God is trying to bring to the surface the issues of the heart that need to be faced and need to be dealt with. And until we recognize it, until we admit it, we're never going to find that real blessing of the Lord because we're not humble before the Lord. Israel had to go through some hard things, some humbling circumstances in the wilderness. But it was for their good. It was necessary to get them to the place that they could actually be useful to the Lord, a place where he could really bless them. And the application is simple here as well. Often we need to be humbled. We let things slip. We think that, you know, we're more useful and profitable (laughs) than we really are, or we're more important than we really are. Like, this place wouldn't function without me. That kind of thing. And sometimes we need that humbling in our life in other areas, too. Maybe it's not dealing with church, but just other areas of life because I'm too much the master of my life. 
too full of self. And the Lord wants to humble me, and I'm going to walk through the fire so that I live a life that is humble before God, so that I actually get onto the right path, the path that leads to the real place of blessing. Many times we are the pro- our own problems, and we, the problems we find ourselves in are because of our own making. But the Lord is trying to use that to bring about humility. Then now look at verse 3 and also verse 15. Not only a life that is humble before God and not only a life that is under the guidance of God, but a life that is sustained by God. In verse 3, And he humbled thee and suffered thee or allowed thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. In verse 15, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein there were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. nation of Israel would have never survived in the wilderness without the provision of the Lord, not being sustained by God. You know, God wants your life and my life to be a life that is sustained by him. The sustenance of their life was as miraculous as their salvation. It was just as amazing to be freed from Egyptian bondage and then to be fed with manna from heaven and then to miraculously make water come out of a rock. And then for all of those years, God sustained them. But he does the same with us or can do the same with us. The thing that sustains us is just as miraculous as our salvation. You know what? That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ not only saves, but he also satisfies in life if we'll follow him. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. The only reason to to live life is, is Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying when he says that is there is no life outside of Jesus Christ. Where does real joy and real peace come from in this life? It's certainly not from accumulating wealth and trying to put all of our plans in place and build this life up. Millions have done it. Uh, Billionaires have done it. And there's no satisfaction in their life. Where does real peace come from? It only comes from a life that is lived in service to Jesus Christ. Lord, my life is not my own. Lord, what would you have me to do for me to live as Christ? And the Bible says that he's our strength, he's our shield, he's our joy, he's our peace. He's to be all in all. You know, we read words like that, we sing words like that, but do we really experience those truths? That he really is my shield, that he really is my joy, that he really is my peace, that he's all I need. The word of God is there to sustain us as well. What do you need in your physical life in order to be strong, in order to grow? You need good nutrition, right? The same in the spiritual life. We need proper nutrition, good nutrition. Do you feed on the word of God? Is it your source of strength? Is it your spiritual food? Or is it something that you 
basically will ingest on Wednesday and Sunday. The point that I'm making here is <laughs> we're never going to make it. Our life is not going to be sustained. We're not going to find peace, contentment in our souls if we're not going to the right source. Look at verses 7 through 9. So we need a life that is under the guidance of God, a life that is uh, sustained by God, a life of humility before God. In verses 7 through 9, we find a life of hope in God. In verse 7, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of waters, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines, fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Here, in verses 7 through 9, there's given a description of the good land that lay before the nation of Israel, so that they were to forget the things that were behind and to press on to the good land of blessing that God had prepared for them. All of that was promised to them if they would only obey the Lord and give Him their hearts. That's what they had to look forward to. And the application here is, listen, we are to hope in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Certainly it's a hope of His coming. We haven't experienced that yet. But knowing that we're going to see Him face to face, knowing that we're going to experience His presence, listen, that, that, ought to, that ought to motivate us in the way that we live this life now. We haven't received or experienced the full blessing of God, but we also know that God has given us some things to do while we sojourn here as we look forward to what He's promised us. One of those things is winning the lost, being a witness for Christ. And this is something just sort of on the side, but let me ask you this. Do you feel compelled in your soul to share Jesus Christ in His life? There's a place of blessing for you in heaven, certainly, but the Lord says while you're waiting, while you're waiting for my return, we need to be busy. We need to be busy working, being obedient to what He's commanded us to do. There's also the purification of ourselves. You know, I've, I've found this true in my life that the times that I am the most miserable are the times that I'm the most carnal. Living fleshly or doing what I want to do. The carnal Christian is a miserable Christian. We'll never reach the blessings of God unless, listen, unless we have a heart that says, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to have a relationship with you that is close a heart that says, Lord, forgive me of my unfaithfulness. Lord, help me walk with you. Help me to, to, to live for you. That's what God intends for his children. God doesn't intend for us to be content in this flesh or to be lazy or to stay in a state of carnality. We all get there sometimes. But God doesn't intend for us to stay there the faithful Christian's life is going to be characterized by real devotion to the Lord, to walk with Him, to grow before Him, because we want to please Him. 
If you look at our text again, I want you to look at verse 10. Another thing that ought to characterize our life is a life that is lived in praise to God. It says in verse 10, When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. You know, part of what God commanded the nation of Israel to do was to thank him and praise him for who he is and what he's done in their life. So after all these blessings I've given you, after all that I've done for you, you're gonna, you need to bless the Lord for the good, for the good things that I've done. The Lord would have us to praise him with a full heart because we have a firm grasp on how good the Lord actually is to us and how blessed we actually are and how merciful the Lord has been to us. It is the satisfied soul that's the soul that's going to bless the Lord for his goodness. Like just today, just today, I, I, had, I, had, I had an attitude going on a little bit. And it was, it was sort of like an attitude of hopelessness, a ho- an attitude of sort of like a sinking feeling, like, like what's the point? You know, it's, you, you, sometimes we get into these moments. And in reality, um, I'm probably the most blessed person that there is. And, it, and the Lord reminded me. You've got nothing to complain about. You've got nothing to feel hopeless about. You have everything to rejoice in. Just because it's not how you want it right now doesn't mean that God is not good. Because God is good all the time. I had a little bit of an attitude adjustment from the Lord. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop complaining and start praising. And start thinking about your blessings. About how good I am to you. I was like, you know, you're right. I'm an idiot. (laughs) Part of it was being able to pray with my brothers this morning. That the Lord reminded me of some things. What I'm saying is, There's never a time when we can justly say, why isn't God blessing me and why isn't God good to me? There is never a time when we can say that, not rightfully. In reality, even even the most backslidden, carnal Christian still receives blessing upon blessing upon blessing from God because he's that good. Not because we deserve it. But you know what? We'll never receive the richest blessings of God in a carnal, backslidden state. We'll never receive the richest blessings of God in a self-centered state. We'll never receive the richest blessings of God in a prideful state. No, the richest blessings of God are reserved to those who are obedient and faithful. The Lord said, you observe to do, and you're going to see my richest blessings. And if we have our spiritual head on straight, 
you know what? We're not going to be complaining. We're going to be praising. We're going to be thanking. Thanking the Lord for how good He is to us. One of the first signs that, that I'm not where I should be with the Lord is when I start to lose my joy. I start to find fault with other people. I start looking on the temporal plane. Why do I do that? It's because I've gotten my eyes off of the Lord. And if I'm walking with the Lord where I should be, I don't have time for that kind of other stuff because I'm too busy thanking God for how good He is and recognizing His blessings in my life. And again, my eyes focused on the Lord and all I can do then is to thank Him and praise Him because, wow, the Lord is actually really good to me and I don't deserve a lick of it. Thanks, thanks, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gifts. Amen. God is good to us all the time, and, and our life ought to be characterized as a life of praise to the Lord. Not a life of complaining. Amen? And God said to the nation of Israel, I'm going to bless you, I want to bless you, but many of my blessings are contingent upon whether or not you're obedient to me. And I would like for God to look at my life and I would like for my life to be characterized by some of these very same things because I want the richest blessings of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its challenge to us that it is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. Lord, that it's a, a mirror to show me what I look like and what I need. Lord, that it's a balm to the soul to give comfort and when I need it. It's protection for my life. Lord, I'm just thankful that you've given it to us and that we can look into it, we can live it, we can apply it, and then when we do, we can experience that abundant, rich, blessed life that God really wants to give His children. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to examine our own hearts today and Lord, we'll trust that we've used it to accomplish your will and heart. Thank you for the day, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's just keep our